There's something following me. I can't be sure what it is, but I know it's there. It's always there. It's been there for weeks, and even though I've tried to shake the feeling, it doesn't go away. I don't even know how to describe it. It just is, and it's following me. It never leaves me alone for a second. It never lets up its pursuit. It never allows me a moment of comfort, to breathe, to feel free. It's never ending, and I'm not quite sure how much more I can take. Think of it this way. No matter where you are right now, concentrate on my words. Listen very carefully to every syllable that I say, and do not miss a single one. Are you driving? Focus on the steering wheel, how it feels in your hands. Are you at home, lying in bed? Look at the ceiling and its many intricate patterns that you don't notice until you really look at it. Got it? Good. Now don't take your eyes off it. Whatever it is, no matter what. Now imagine there is something there with you, just out of your field of vision. Maybe it's behind you, maybe it's just to the left, maybe it's even right in front of you. It's there. Even though you can't see it, you know it's there. You know it's so close because you can hear it. Not a particular noise, per se, but it's silence. The way the air changes when it flows around something, that's what you hear. It hides in these pockets of silence, just out of your field of vision, watching, waiting. Always. But don't look. No matter what you do, never look. Looking only makes it worse. Because no matter how hard you try, you'll never find it. It's never there. You just try to convince yourself that it's just your mind playing tricks on you. Your overactive imagination taking over again. But deep inside, you know that's not true. You know it's there. You know it always has been, stalking you silently, waiting for the right moment to pounce, to sink its teeth into your neck, to rip the flesh from your body with its claws, to make you feel a pain that you've never felt before. Every time the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, that's the moment it all ends, the moment it finally strikes you down and ends its chase. And then the moment passes. You made it through, it changed its mind, or perhaps it was never going to attack to begin with. It just wanted you to think that, to keep you on edge. That's how I feel, all the time. It never ends. I wake every morning in fear, knowing that it will be waiting for me. Just around every bend, every corner, every moment of my day. Would be hiding in my back seat on the way to work today, or perhaps in the conference room on the second floor. Is it peering over my shoulder as I respond to emails, or under the table as I cook dinner? Not even the release of slumber can help me escape from it. I toss and turn every night, not wanting to give myself over to deep sleep in case that is when it decides to reveal itself, when I'm most vulnerable. I don't want it to catch me off guard. My defense is always up, and I stir restlessly all night until the first peaking of the sun comes over the horizon. It wasn't always like this, though. 
I had a family, a wife, kids, friends, hobbies. That was part of the problem, though, apparently. My hobbies. Well, one in particular. I'm a photographer. Well, not professionally, but an amateur one. And just what is cartography? The simplest explanation is the study and practice of making maps. However, there is so much more to it than that. You know maps as those things your parents used to buy when they were traveling around. They came in all shapes and sizes, from town, state, country, the world, and more. Nowadays, the world doesn't use maps much anymore. We have the internet. Almost every corner of the world is charted and accessible in the palm of your hand with a smartphone, so why bother, right? But something about the complexity of maps, their ability to show you intricacies of a region with a simple glance, has always fascinated me. Ever since I was a kid, I loved reading them, going over them, pretending I was actually traveling to those places, seeing them for myself. As I got older, I enjoyed making my own maps. My house, my college campus, my favorite vacation spots. It just brought me relaxation and put me in my own little world. I don't know why, but when I was younger, I, I never thought to check out a map of Melancholy Falls, but when I was older, it dawned on me. So, off to Town Hall I went in search of the records department to see a map of the place I lived. Imagine my surprise when they told me there was no complete map of Melancholy Falls. Can you believe it? A town that has been around since 1647, and there was never a record made of the town's boundaries. Strange, right? But I saw that as the perfect opportunity to turn my amateur skills into something else. I volunteered to make one myself and donate it for prosperity to the town. At the end of the day, I'm sure no one would really care all that much, but it was a project. Something for me to be proud of, and I jumped right in. It wasn't easy going. I knew that going in. It was going to take time. The town's borders, while they existed on paper, were sort of in flux in reality. I soon found that measurements and navigational meridians didn't quite add up. What should have been along the boundaries of town weren't. I chalked that up to poor record-keeping and viewed it as a challenge. I would have to seek out the records of other towns to see how things added up elsewhere, in order to find out the true borders of Melancholy Falls. One day, I was out in the woods, to the east of town, trying to figure some things out. I was pretty far in, and away from most of civilization. It was secluded, it was quiet, and honestly, it was nice away from the hustle and bustle of life, and in my element, mapping the terrain. I was well off the beaten path, finding what I needed when the ground gave way beneath me. I fell a few feet, realizing that I was in some sort of hole. That moment I lifted my head up, the smell of decay hit me like a brick wall, filled my nostrils, and made me nauseous almost immediately. It was dark, so... I couldn't see much, let alone what the smell was. My hands tried to find perches at the walls around me, but I kept slipping further and further downward. With the walls falling apart around me, my fingers brushed past a hard surface. 
Not knowing what it was, thinking it might be a rock that I could use to pull myself up, I grabbed onto it. No sooner had I done so did it fall out of the wall, half of it in my hand, the other half at my feet. It was a skull. A human skull. My mind processed this, and I realized I was holding the jawbone in my hand and on the ground. The empty eye sockets from the top half stared up at me. A feeling of dread washed over me. Between that and the smell, I redoubled my efforts to get the hell out of there. I quickly got to my feet and scrambled out of the hole as best I could, grabbing at tree roots and vines to pull myself out. I couldn't have been in there for more than a few moments, but that was more than enough. I took strife of my surroundings, realizing that the hole had been covered poorly by a makeshift cover that had slowly rotted away over the years. My standing on it was enough to finally give in, and now there was a hole in the middle of the forest. I figured that... Perhaps some children had used it as a fort or a a hideaway years ago, and it had been forgotten to time. Why they had put a human skull in there was beyond me. Maybe it wasn't human. Maybe I just panicked, and I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't even a skull at all, but some deformed plant root that my hysteria had turned into one. I pushed it out of my mind, and my thoughts returned to the hole itself. I was so far into the woods, I'm sure I didn't get many visitors, if at all. I hoped that no one would come along and hurt themselves, as I had no way of covering it back up. I made a mental note to return, someday, to make it safer for others, just in case someone did come along and fall in. But it was getting late and dark, so it was time for me to return home. It was on my way back to the car that I first noticed it. It was subtle, at first, just... A general unease. The feeling that you get when you think someone is watching you. You just can't place it, but you feel as if you are not alone. It passed as quickly as it came, so I thought nothing of it. I went home, enjoyed time with my kids, and went to bed. That night I awoke with a deep, repressive feeling in my gut. Something was in the room with me and my wife. I was sure of it. My eyes searched every shadow, waiting, praying that none of them would move. Of course they didn't. I wanted to get up, to get a glass of water, to shake the feeling off of me. However, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Instead, I lay there all night, unable to convince myself that there was nothing else in the room. It was the first of many sleepless nights. Over the next few weeks, it just got worse. The feeling happened more and more frequently, the oppression weighing down on my soul, interfering with everything I did. I tried to brush it off as best I could, but nothing worked. I became irritable, moody. My wife and I got into more and more fights. The kids began to get on my nerves. My workload began to suffer. I didn't want any of those things to happen. They just did. The constant feeling of surveillance continued to get to me, and it was destroying my life. My paranoia got worse. And when I tried to explain it to my wife, she wouldn't listen. 
She thought it was making excuses, the stress of work and home life getting to me, and wanted me to see a doctor. Why didn't she understand? It wasn't her, it wasn't the kids, it sure as hell wasn't work. But it was something. Something was there, following me, stalking me, not letting me go. By week four, she had had it. She took the kids and went to stay with her mother a few towns over while I figured it out. I begged her to stay. I begged her to help me, but by the end of the day, they were gone. I spent my days in solitude, trying to catch it, waiting for it to slip up for some kind of proof that it was real and just not my imagination. The feeling of paranoia continued to get worse and I couldn't help but looking for it around every corner. I'd get a feeling and quickly look around me to try and catch it. Is that a deserted hallway? Or a recently deserted one? Over time I got better at seeing it. Or so I thought. If I turned quick enough, if I looked just the right way, I could catch glimpses of it. Just small snippets. A tuft of hair. A red, menacing eye. A sharpened talon. Nothing was ever concrete, or more than a few seconds, but it was there. I took to installing cameras in my house. Motion-activated ones. If something were there, they would be sure to catch it on film, right? But every time I checked the tapes, it was nothing but static. Electronic interference is what the company called it. Could be caused by anything from power lines or invisible currents in the air or an unseen presence following me around, but of course I didn't believe that. I've become so accustomed to the silence around me now that I can actually hear it. I can hear its breathing, shallow and low, hiding among the stillness of the day. If I close my eyes and just wait, just listen, just surround myself with deadened sound. If I strain my ears for long moments to the point where I am so sure that I am crazy, that nothing is there, that I have made it all up in my head where I am about to scream, I hear it. I hear it exhale slowly, carefully, silently. And I know what I'm about to do is justified. I can't stop thinking about it. What was it that was buried in that hole? What was trapped in there that I finally set free? What followed me home and latched onto my life like a leech? How do I get rid of it? If it follows me everywhere, always at my heels, then logic should dictate that it really would follow me wherever I would go. Home, work, vacation, death. My thoughts turned back to the hole itself, and the skull I found inside. Maybe it was a human skull after all. Maybe it was the last victim of whatever this thing is. Maybe it couldn't take it anymore, and decided to go as deep as they could into the woods and wait. Wait for it to attack. Or wait for it to move on. Who knows which one of those happened, if at all. But I'm at my wit's end.
I don't know what else to do. No one to talk to. No one to turn to. No one to help. Nothing to do but wait. Back in the woods. Back in the hole. You see my wife. Tell her I love her. Tell my kids I am so, so proud of them. And that I am so sorry I couldn't be there for them. That this is the only way. I have no other choice. I can't continue to live like this in fear of the unknown, of the unseen, of whatever it is following me. So I brought it back to its home where it was left to rot for who knows how long and it will continue to rot long after I'm gone. I brought along a wooden pallet and covered the hole with it, with my body scrunched up underneath it, beneath the outside world, hiding in the silent darkness surrounded by the earth, waiting for my end. Now the time has come for me to stop talking to let the darkness encroach and anticipate the silence closing in for me to wait for it all to be finally over just wait and listen won't you listen with me just close your eyes take a deep breath let everything else melt away and just listen. Return Home Interlude Hole in the Ground. It was written by Jeff Heimbuck and produced by Andrew Taylor and Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talent of Bridget Farmer. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast and on Twitter at returnhomeshow. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast. Questions? Comments? Saw something out of the corner of your eye? Send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, pleasant dreams.